Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, Behind Enemy Lines. This is Season 8, Episode 10, Franchise Episode Number 196. Big thanks to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. Make sure you check them out over at YouTube. Just search the Wild and Free. They should come up. Good stuff. Uh, album has been uh, not a date yet, but uh, I'm seeing that it will be in the fall. So if you are interested in helping out the artists that uh, helped me out here with the uh, open of this series, do that, please. Uh, just uh, stay tuned to them on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, The Wild and Free. Tom Calhoun, PAGuyTom.com. Big thanks to him. Make sure you check him out for audio books. And if you uh, have an event coming up that you need a good MC, give Tom a call, PAGuyTom.com. Check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings are a huge help, so we would love for that. Also, let us know what you like about the show. So before I get into our segments today, I just uh, want to voice my displeasure with uh, some things I've seen on social media, uh, which, you know, I mean, you can make a case for that every day because there's always completely backward stuff we see on social media all the time. But uh, for, and I know that it was mostly one person, but there was a couple other people that chimed in too. Um, anyone who's mad that Pat Maroon didn't spend the entire Saturday of the, with the Stanley Cup. Uh, didn't spend it in Oakville. Just, I don't know, I guess driving up and down Telegraph Road. I don't know what people expected. But, uh, yeah, uh, come on. Uh, that's very pompous and silly. I mean, I live in Oakville now. And, uh, I mean, I made a joke that I'm just going to post up at uh, All-American and hope he just shows up. I mean, I'm not doing that, but... You know, if you want to see the Stanley Cup, and, and, and this is a good point by my co-host, Kurt, if you really are just dying to see the Stanley Cup and you're angry because for whatever reason you feel like you deserved the right to see and touch and kiss and uh, take a picture with the Stanley Cup, just go to Toronto. There's a Stanley Cup there all the time at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Just drive to Toronto. Take a, take a long week. Uh, because getting mad at Pat Maroon... That's silly. Uh, for those of you who don't know what's going on, yeah, it's it's, it's a thing. That happened. Uh, so it's it's just silly. Uh, please, you know, that's all I'm going to say about it. 
don't hold it against Pat Maroon because he didn't show up to every establishment in Oakville. Uh, last I checked, Oakville is a part of St. Louis, and he did bring the cup back to St. Louis. So good on him. And, and it's not, uh, again, it's this is silly, but it it's not on him to do what St. Louis wants. It's his day with the cup. If he wanted to just go home and sit in his living room all day with the Stanley Cup, he has every right to do that. He's the one that won it. Yes, the fans are a big part of the team, but come on, guys. Every fan doesn't get a day with the cup. The players do, and it's with good reason. All right, enough moaning and complaining from me. Let's get into the good stuff. We're going to keep the party going. Keep the party going is the segment where you, the listener, get to write into me, the host, and I read uh, everything that comes out onto our summer series. Uh, basically, this is about anything having to do with Blues winning the Stanley Cup, what it meant to you personally, and uh, just you know how great this moment was for you. We're going to relive these all summer, so keep sending your emails over if you haven't already. Radio at letsgoblues.com. That is radio at letsgoblues.com. Before we get into uh, the actual segment, I do want to thank Jeremy Boyer once again for the use of his song, well, the use of Gloria, uh, played on the organ there at uh, Enterprise Center. Uh, Big thanks to Jeremy. He's the guy that you hear doing the organ all the time. He does a wonderful job, so uh, make sure you check him out on Twitter and uh, YouTube as well if you want to see some more of his stuff. Today's message comes from Ellie. Ellie says, hello, my name is Ellie. Here is my take on what the Blues Stanley Cup victory means to me. I enjoy the podcast so much. Thanks. The Blues winning the Stanley Cup immediately makes me think of my dad, who has been a devoted fan for decades. I think of my dad because we have a special connection over Blues hockey that is unique in our family. I am now 20 years old, but my dad introduced me to hockey and the Blues when I was 13. It all started when I was bored one night and sat down to watch a game with him. After years of only vaguely noticing the Blues games in the background, I was surprised to find that I enjoyed watching the game and somewhat understood what was going on. After that, I continued to watch games with him every night that I could, and I became an avid fan of the game and the team. This shared passion is particularly special to me because no one else in our family likes watching hockey anywhere near as much as my dad and I do. I don't get to attend many Blues games in person, but when my dad happened to get two tickets a few years ago, he took me with him, even though many of his friends love hockey. Even though we can't watch every game together, after each one, I look forward to talking about it with him and discussing the best or worst moments. Even when the Blues lost, we would commiserate together about the Blues' bad fortune that seemed as though it would never change until a few weeks ago. The Blues finally winning the Stanley Cup felt like I had been waiting forever for it, and I have only been an invested fan for about seven years. I can only imagine how it feels for my dad, who has been watching for this moment for over 40 years. Being a fan of the Blues inspired my dad to ride the bus every Saturday to Steinberg's rink when he was a kid to take skating lessons. He learned to skate and play hockey, and when I, myself, was a young kid, he started his own men's recreational hockey team in St. Louis. My first hockey memories are from when my family would go to his games and cheer on his team. He captained his team for seven years until injuries kept him from playing the game anymore. Needless to say, the game of hockey is one of my dad's biggest passions. 
As much as I was overjoyed about the Blues winning the Cup, I was equally happy that my dad got to see it. He would always be a fan, but the team's past of bad luck and heartbreak had him, like many others, somewhat cynical when it came to the Blues, although he would continue to watch every game season after season. I'm so excited that my dad and I continue to enjoy watching the Blues from now on with a new feeling of contentment we never had before the victory. One month later, I still walk down into the basement at night and find my dad re-watching various games from this season's cup run, especially the highlights and post-game coverage after Game 7 in Boston. These games will never be deleted from our DVR. Play Gloria and let's go Blues! Ellie, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the sentiment that's that's kind of funny that we've heard throughout this series that uh, uh, of, uh, of keep the party going. Uh, it's the parents. Everyone's talking about how this means to much meets their dad, their parents, the the older people and their families. I mean, uh, it's it's just nice that that they're getting to witness that. You know, as nice as it is for me. 34 years old, been a fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, the guy who's been there since 67, you know, she says 40 years here, so in the 70s, you know, watching the Bernie Federico years, the Brian Sutter years, all the way till now, finally getting to celebrate a Stanley Cup victory. Uh, that's just uh, something you write about right there. It's, uh, it's cool to see. So, Ellie, I'm glad you and your father are able to enjoy this together because uh, that's, uh, that's what this is all about. It's all about being happy and 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 finally witnessing something that let's be honest we probably never thought we would see i know i didn't so uh good on you and 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 hey keep playing gloria all summer well our guest this week his name is mike murphy and he is from blueshirtbanter.com uh and i will just say as a side note this is actually one of the sites that i do check often because well, let's just face it, uh, Toronto and New York are pretty much the hubs for hockey coverage, uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, New York more on the uh, on the uh, U.S. side, and of course, Toronto, Toronto more on the Canada side. But uh, yeah, they uh, they have some good stuff over there at Blue Shirt Banner. I've actually been reading their stuff for a while, you know, whenever the Rangers are making changes or there's a trade uh, involving them, like they, when they were active at the deadline a couple years ago, uh, I regularly checked uh, blue shirt banters. They were the first people that I wanted to reach out to when I was looking for somebody to talk New York Rangers with me. Uh, so I met with Mike Murphy. Uh, we recorded this on May 16th. So that was after game three of the Western final with the Sharks had a two, one series lead at that point. So uh, this, uh, this, this is, this is fun. As I said, uh, it, it, as a little teaser last week, uh, Mike and I actually, uh, he's actually dating someone I went to high school with and he lives in New York. So it was uh very odd when he said, Oh, I think you know my girlfriend and you know, how the hell would I know your girlfriend? Well, apparently I do. So, uh, here it is my conversation with Mike. We are talking New York Rangers on this episode. Uh, no, we're not talking mystery Alaska, although I'm sure we can, if that's what my guest wants to talk about. But uh, Mike Murphy of Blue Shirt Banter and the Ice Garden uh, will be joining me here in a little bit. But first, I want to ramble off some important stats that uh, that I know that everyone cares about. St. Louis all-time record against the New York Rangers, 143 games played, 46-79-16-2. Uh, the two is the overtime losses. Uh, first meeting was on November 26th, 1967. That was in New York 
and that was a one nothing loss for the St. Louis Blues. I do not have who scored that goal. I tried looking that up, and uh, it was unavailable. So uh, I don't know. We'll just say it's Mark Messier or something, even though he <laughs> was probably, what, 12 years old at that time, if that. Uh, not even 12 years old, for sure. Uh, so this is uh, th- this is a, obviously an Eastern Conference team. You think there's not a lot of history between these two teams, but the research that I did with Mike, it shows that uh, there is actually a lot of parallels between these two teams and their histories. So uh, let's get into it. Mr. Mike Murphy joins me now. Thank you uh, for joining me, Mike, and uh, welcome to Let's Go Blues Radio. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yep. So, um, Mike, first, before we get started, uh, I do want to tell the quick story about the uh, interesting connection that we have. So I contacted Mike, uh, you know, when I first decided that I was going to start doing this uh, series over the summer, uh, probably in what, March or so, and um, April or so, whatever it was. And he tells me, oh, yeah, my uh, my girlfriend's from St. Louis. You know, Mike lives in New York. And I said, oh, that's cool. And and so I decided to ask him, um, you know, hey, you, you, I'm going to have to ask you what high school she went to because it's a St. Louis question. Does she like St. Louis style pizza? All of that kind of stuff. And he shoots back and says, she actually knows you. You went to high school together. So uh, <laughs> crazy coincidence. Uh, Maggie is her name. So hello to Maggie. And uh, I know she's an avid listener of Let's Go Blues Radio. Uh, but uh, crazy coincidence. Um, and uh, I'm sure that was just as strange for you as well when you found that out. Yeah, it was it was really one of those small world things. And I was talking to you before the show. It's, you know, every once in a while, the 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 hockey world feels like everyone is kind of connected to some point. But that was a little little extra, a little uh, unexpected. And, uh, you know, it was only a little while ago that uh, my girlfriend introduced me to Toasted Rabs and a couple other staples of uh, of St. St. Louis cuisine. So feels like it feels like this podcast was meant to be in a way, Jeff. So I'm, I'm glad I'm here to talk some hockey with you. That's the way I see it, too. So for those wondering, the age-old question of what high school did Maggie go to and myself, Francis Howell High School in uh, uh, Weldon Spring, Missouri, right there in St. Charles. Um, so I do want to list off some of her favorite things that you sent me. Uh, she loves the deluxe pizza from Cecil Whitaker's. Always a good choice. Favorite brewery is a one that I've had on this show many times, the Four Hands Brewery out here in St. Louis. Appetizer, of course, the toasted ravioli, everyone's favorite. Pretty good. And dessert is the gooey butter cake, which have you had gooey butter cake, Mike? No, but once I read that response, I told myself that's going on the bucket list. I yes. Mean, gooey is not, it. it's, it's not always the, you know, the adjective I look for in my desserts, gooey, but uh, I tell you, butter cake sounds good. Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, if you can make your way out to St. Louis with Maggie sometime, you will appreciate the gooey butter cake. It's one of the best things about St. Louis, and that's not an exaggeration. Well, it's going to be on the list for sure. That and a lot more toasted ravioli. I had the, uh, I had it at uh, Wooden Nails, which is a bar in Chelsea. That's a St. Louis bar um, in the city, and they have a couple of specialties and from St. Louis and that was one of them. And I even had stitches in my mouth when I had them and it was still, I had to eat it and cut it up in small bites, but it was still pretty damn good. So no complaints. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to uh, that same experience, sand stitches. That's what I that's what I'm hoping for. All right. Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope, uh, get your way out here to St. Louis and um, 
myself and, and your lady will gladly show you around to the greatest spots to get St. Louis food. And uh, she picked a good couple good ones there with Cecil Whitaker's and I'm sure uh, Pasta House Toasted Rabs are probably up there for as well as uh, really anything in Ballpark Village as well. All right, let's get into it, Mike. Um, so uh, first thing we have on the docket here is something you and I remember fondly. 1967. Yep. Red Berenson uh, and Barkley Plager were traded to the St. Louis Blues for Ron Atwell and Ron Stewart on November 29th. So again, we remember this well. Um, I don't sure know do. how <laughs> I don't know how much you re, you have heard of these players much at all. I mean, obviously everyone knows Red Berenson, but uh, what what did you know anything about Barkley Plager before reading this story? No, other than if I had a butler, I would like him to be named Barkley Plager. Um, <laughs> it just seems like a very like it's the sort of name you should be wearing white gloves for. I like that name. <laughs> um, but other than that, no, those other names were, you know, I I poked around and took a look at, you know, what, what the Rangers kind of got back in that trade. And I think it goes without saying who won this one. Um, yeah. With with how important Brett was to St. Louis, not only as a player, uh, but behind the bench and, you know, as a, as a figure and a part of your culture in, in that franchise. So this was one of those, you know, it's really funny looking back at these trades before, you know, back Long before, you know, there are things like analytics and things like the salary cap to worry about. You see these trades and you wonder, like, well, what the hell was the was the plan here? Like, why did they not recognize what the Blues were able to get out of Berenson? But uh, it is maybe just one of those hockey trades that soured for one team and worked out for the other. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned you're not sure of who Barkley Plager is. He's one that has an honored number hanging up in, in St. Louis at uh, Enterprise Center. Uh, his brother Bob just had his his number retired. Uh, what's that? I think last year, maybe two years ago. Um, but yeah, the Plager brothers are are beloved here at St. Louis. Barkley no longer with us, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's funny because when when uh, when you say that, there was another name mentioned in trades here, and uh, someone you brought up, Steve Vickers, who was a draft pick uh, that was uh, a trade that brought St. Louis Peter McDuff, which I know is another name that everyone remembers from 1971 and yep. i thought about it i said you know i i i vaguely know the name steve vickers but then i thought that's probably his barkley plager is that a is that a name that a lot of rangers fans know yeah steve vickers is a is a very big name in rangers history um as it turns out he um there's a publication about you know the hundreds greatest rangers and steve vickers is up there he's actually eighth all time and franchise history and points. Um, he had a really nearly 700 game career with the Rangers, 586 uh, points. He, I, th- I believe Barclay Plager was, f- I think he eclipsed a thousand penalty minutes in his time with the Blues. So definitely a, a rough customer. And that was not what Vickers was. He was more of a kind of a two way forward who I think he had, I'm looking now, he had 586 points with the Rangers. So definitely a guy who, you know, was more of a scorer, but during a time in Rangers history where uh, where's the nicest way to put this, they were not good at the whole hockey thing. So um, (laughs) it was, it was, you know, it was one of those trades where the Rangers acquired, you know, the blues first round pick and they went out and got a guy who became an important part of uh, the team and our own culture. So kind of traded a couple of legends without knowing they'd become legends, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. 
Um, so I want to jump ahead to the, uh, again, another, another thing you and I remember fondly, the 1981 playoffs. For those that are wondering, well, you know, <laughs> Blues, Blues didn't go to the final that year. Why are we going to talk about this? That is the only playoff meeting between the Blues and the Rangers, believe it or not. These two teams have met in the playoffs, not in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, they met in the quarterfinals. Rangers won that one in six. That was the year that, uh, man, we already mentioned, Red Berenson had won the Jack Adams Trophy for the Blues. Uh, the Blues were an amazing 45-18-7 that season. One of the Good best, grief. That record yeah, one is... of the best records they've ever put together. Uh, Rangers were only 30-36-14, and 14, and they lost to the Islanders in the semifinal. And, of course, that was one of the many years the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. So, for those older than you and I, that's probably a pretty memorable year for Blues and Rangers fans. Yeah, that was it was funny because it was one of those things, you know, you forget like the, the conferences used to not at all be East and West. And, you know, looking back at, you know, I was, I was working on a, one of the websites I work work on is called BehindTheBenches.com and, you know, going over Jack Adams. And I saw how great that season was for Red when he won. Uh, the Jack Adams, then I saw, oh, you know, they got knocked down in the playoffs. That was such a good year. Who knocked him out? I saw the Rangers, and I was like, oh, boy. This is the same day <laughs> I'm doing a doing a podcast with Jeff. So, And then, of course, the Rangers got past the Blues in six, and they got swept by the Islanders, uh, and the Islanders won a cup. So I think most Rangers fans would say if they could rewrite history, they would have let the Blues just beat them in four and uh, and go on and give the Islanders a, a, a tougher time than they than they had in the final there. It's funny you say, you know, uh, I, I was wondering what the Blues did in that season. Well, I can tell you, they got knocked out in the playoffs. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the, <laughs> something the girlfriend reminds me a lot is yes. whenever is she always asks, you know, how many cups do the Rangers have? And I just say four and she says, oh, that must be nice. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's, you know, it is one of those things where it's one of the reasons why I was uh, I'm actually recording this during uh, the playoffs and uh, I'm pulling for the blues because, you know, it's a lot of history on the line. And I've always actually been grew up being one of those people who just, you know, as a kid, you, you have your team. Like for me, I had to like the Rangers. Otherwise my older brothers would have uh, covered me in bruises. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, but I always liked the blues because they're Jersey and I loved keep Kachuk and I actually really loved Pavel Dimitra. I feel like yes. he was a player who was, way, way ahead of his time. I think Pavel Dimitri in the modern NHL would have been a true superstar. Um, of course, another uh, player who's no longer with us, of course, uh, due to the tragic circumstances of uh, that plane crash. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of players I've loved on the Blues over the years. So it was not at all, not at all shy about pulling for the Blues here. We'll see what happens. You, you talk about your love for Pavel Dimitri. You ever make it out to St. Louis with your lady, you will be greeted with open arms because that is a man that that uh, people still talk about to this day as a guy that should have his number retired. And um, really, nobody I, I, I could be wrong on this, and I'm sure people listening to the show will correct me. I don't think anybody's worn 38 since he wore it. So that's uh, that's definitely a player immortalized in blues lore. Uh, just one of the best. And then Keith Kachuk as well. Just another great player and become now a, a great St. Louisan. He's fifth all time in points for the Blues, Demetra. I mean, mm-hmm. seems like he should have his number up in the rafters there. Yeah, that's. I haven't done it yet, but I will be having uh, a gentleman for an Ottawa Senator show, and the first thing he mentioned to me was, "Well, we got to talk about Paul Demetra, right?" 
Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit here too about uh, a little bit more again before our time slightly uh, the John Davidson connection between these two teams and this was something that a couple people brought up to me when um, I had mentioned to them that I was talking to a Rangers guy that oh well all you're going to talk about is John Davidson and Wayne Gretzky right well, maybe we'll get to Wayne Gretzky but uh, Davidson a former goalie for both teams he was a rookie with the Blues. Uh, then turned broadcaster, turned team president for the Blues. Now, of course, he is with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, is he remembered fondly there in New York? Is is it um, more than just a, a, a local broadcaster? Do people remember his playing days? Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I was looking uh, before the show. I think JD. Uh, the big thing for me is uh, Sam Rosen and John Davidson are the guys who. Uh, JD was the color commentator. So he was the guy who I grew up listening to. I feel like I was raised by his voice in many ways. Um, and of course, you know, from his playing days, he was, I think, I think he might be eighth all time in, uh, in wins among Rangers goaltenders. So he had a pretty long tenure uh, between the pipes in New York. And, uh, you know, before that, of course, he was uh, with the Blues and was an early draft pick of the Blues. I think actually fifth overall in the 73 draft. So uh, and now, as I don't know if you've heard the rumblings, but it seems like it's almost certain that he'll be the next president of the Rangers. Um, now that uh, that that spot is open with Glenn Sather stepping down, uh, he has been a really a cult figure um, in the New York Rangers lore and and culture. And I feel like he's a guy who the fans are going to welcome back with open arms, even if he is somewhat somewhat of an old school guy. I think, and we'll have to see what. Uh, what plans he has to turn things around because he was so successful in uh, helping turn around both the blues and blue jackets organizations, both at the AHL and NHL level. So very curious to see what will happen there, but he is someone who uh, a lot more than just uh, a lot more than just a broadcaster and, and former player in New York, very much a beloved person. Oh, he's just a great guy too. I've, uh, I met him a few times when he was team president here and, um, spoke very highly of the city of St. Louis, spoke highly of New York as well. Um, just seems like a really likable guy and a guy that uh, he's very personable. He used to hold, um, uh, what are they called? Like little press conferences with fans, uh, season ticket holders before uh, the season started and let them ask anything they wanted. Um, just a very likable guy. And yeah, I think if he goes to New York, uh, that's only going to be a positive because you see the, the turnaround in both teams he's been with now. And it's quite impressive what he's been able to do. Yeah. We're hoping for uh, a slightly, slightly different build because the Rangers, you know, doing the rebuild now. And of course uh, Rangers AHL team, the Hartford Wolfpack has just been a, just a garbage fire for a while now. So right. need, need something to turn around there. If we're going to be rebuilding young players and develop young players, because we can't just keep throwing sacks of money as much as uh, we might like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's a New York way, right? Yeah, that's the way. Oh, you've developed this talented player. Well, we have a garbage truck with some money in it, and uh, we'll go get him. <laughs> it's been the way, you know, for a long time before the salary cap. That's giving Bobby Holik sixteen million dollars a year. That's that's the way the New York Rangers have tried to uh, tried to build a winning uh, legacy. Ooh, Hasn't turned yeah. out as well, believe it or not. So, no, no way. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about. Somebody, something and somebody that Blues fans, when I say his name, will cringe. Uh, oh boy. 
I'm interested to get your take on how Rangers fans uh, remember him. I know he was just brought back for the 25-year anniversary of the Stanley Cup uh, win in New York in 1994. Uh, July 17th, 1994, this man signs with the St. Louis Blues. Mike Keenan wins the Stanley Cup, leaves the Rangers for the Blues, uh, becomes the GM and head coach. I believe the original story I read said that he was a million-dollar uh, acquisition at the time, which at the time was a lot of money for a GM yeah. or coach. Um, so he so he leaves after a contract dispute with the Rangers and signs in St. Louis. Blues fans get excited because that means Stanley Cup. Here we come, right? Didn't really work out that way. How is uh, uh, Mike Keenan revered in, in New York? He is, I think, despite the fact that he was behind the bench that for a 54 year cup drought that cup drought that was ended. Um, I think history has been, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say unkind, but I think uh, there's been a lot more questions raised about what he and Neil Smith did. Uh, Neil Smith, the general manager of the Rangers um, and Keenan's influence on Smith, particularly because the Rangers made a lot of trades uh, that were, you know, kind of, kind of bold uh, trading away Mike Gartner and, you know, trading away some guys who went on to have Hall of Fame careers just to kind of get these, these the quote-unquote right players for Mike Keenan. And uh, he was a guy, I was reading up on him again, brushing up on my Mike Keenan uh, before the show today with you. And, you know, he's a guy who was not afraid to bench Brian Leach during games um, in 93-94. And, you know, I, I know there's a story where Mark Messier kind of took him aside and said, uh, you, you don't bench Brian Leach, um, you know, his and, you know, Mark Messier being who he is, I think his word carried a little bit of weight there, but uh, it's, he is a guy who ended the drought, but he definitely had a, a very much, a, I think a, he was a true celebrity coach. And what's interesting is I think there was a one day delay on his bonus. And that is what made him say there's a breach of contract with the Rangers and he formed his own press conference without MSG knowing. And uh, there was this whole big debacle and he was just kind of ready to, ready to, you know, make a carnival out of things and then, and then leave. But, you know, he was there for the 25 year anniversary for good reason. I mean, he's, he's a successful and super controversial coach, but he was there and got the ring and the cup. So can't, can't have too many complaints, I guess, but he's always been a, uh, a guy who I have a lot of mixed feelings about, especially with his, his tenures with the Rangers, as brief as yeah, it was. It's, it's funny when I, I watched the when they brought all the old players back for the twenty five year anniversary and you know, everyone's getting some pretty rowdy applause and when they announced Mike Keenan, it seemed like it was mixed emotion. There was a little bit of clap, yeah. a little bit of hooray, but then a little bit of oh, this guy. Yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag. There's a lot of goofy stories about him, for instance, uh Kovalev was famous for taking long shifts and Keenan wanted to punish him. And so he punished him by leaving him out for like two or three minutes for a shift. And Kovalev loved it. He was just a young Russian kid and he was like, oh, this is great. And then he ended up scoring a goal and he went to the bench and everyone's laughing and congratulating him. And he's like, oh, that's great. Leave me out all the time. And, but you know, that's just who Keenan was. He's sort of guy who he had a team psychologist uh, way before it was popular. He used to, when he was mad at players, he used to run practices without pucks. He did a lot of weird things, really, just to kind of shake and rattle the cage. And uh, I mean, he had 
the winning formula. But, I, you know, it's one of those things where you can't help but wonder if another guy would have gotten the same result out of a team as talented as the Rangers were that year. But, uh, you know, can't rewrite history on that one. It's funny. Uh, so I'm recording this. Uh, we're recording this today on uh, uh, May 16th. It'll be released this summer, obviously. Everyone knows that uh, these are pre-recorded, so we're not blowing any minds here. Um, but we were watching a game last night, and in the third period, uh, it was a tie game with about 11 seconds left in the offensive zone for the Blues. And I looked at my wife, and I even said, I go, you know what's crazy? And she said, what? And I go, if Mike Keenan was the head coach of the Blues, he might consider pulling the goalie here. Like, you might, in a 1-1 series, you might see Mike Keenan pull the goalie to go six on five with 11 seconds left in the offensive zone. I wouldn't put it past him. He did a lot of crazy things like yeah, that. Yeah, he was definitely outside the box. And a lot of times when you have outside the box, it's like, oh, you know what? Someone's forward thinking. The things they do are going to become common practice. But that was not the case with Keenan. He was just kind of did his own things. I, I think he was a protege of Scotty Bowman, um, which is interesting because Scotty Bowman is far more just the old school, you know, typical coaches, of course, you know, with his history with the Blues, he was kind of the archetype for what a head coach should do and how they should act. And Mike Keenan was just this kind of unorthodox, eccentric guy. Uh, and, you know, recently he was over in uh, the KHL. And now, you know, I don't know what's what's where he's, what direction he's headed in now, but he's a guy who will always have a place in Rangers history. And, Unfortunately for you guys, the, the Blues history, based yeah. on what happened with his tenure there. Yeah, I mean, um, somebody that's played for both our teams, Brennan Shanahan. I mean, that was uh, a much maligned trade that he made. I mean, it ended up being a good trade for the Blues. Got uh, uh, Chris Pronger over here eventually uh, to to be one of the most premier and best defensemen the NHL's ever seen. But yeah, trading a, a favorite like Shanahan, trying to trade Hall like he was, um, a player we'll talk about here in a second, Wayne Gretzky, came and went because of, of Keenan. Um, and then just the constant rehashing of old Rangers and Blackhawks players that he brought to this team after their uh, uh, after their heyday. Um, yeah, it was frustrating to watch. And, and uh, it was definitely a momentous occasion when the Blues let him go. And you know, we saw Joel Quinville come in. But um, yeah, it was... Um, it was not a fun time to be a Blues fan because you never knew how long your favorite players were going to last. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah, he he definitely did that, especially in St. Louis where he just had his guys. Like I said, he he kind of identified the sort of players he thought he needed. And that is why he was one of those coaches who also, you know, he had such early success, I think, in uh, I think it was in Chicago, I think. And, you know, he just he wanted – the GM powers and the head coach powers. And even in New York, he, he was only the head coach, but he definitely had an influence there, um, you know, in terms of what happened behind the bench. And if you like, you look back at the trade history, a lot of very quiet between the Rangers and Blues for a long time, but there is definitely, definitely a, it, things picked up when, uh, when Keenan was, <laughs> was, uh, was, you know, behind there. And uh, it's, it's interesting that he just kind of had that mentality. Like I can win with this guy. Not that guy. I don't care how good you think that guy is. This is my guy. And couldn't really change his mind, which is, you know, not a lot of personalities like that behind the bench now in the league. Um, probably for the best, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always entertaining, I suppose. For sure. For sure. Um, 
so yeah, let's let's get into Wayne Gretzky. So you know, this is obviously this is part of when we started to see the downfall of Mike Keenan in St. Louis. Um, so for those that don't know the story, and if you're listening to the show, you probably do, but I'll go ahead and um, just uh, and uh, torture everyone by torture everyone. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to talk about the Iserman goal. Don't worry, everybody. Um, <laughs> although I am going to mention it apparently. Um, so he had offered Mike Keenan had offered Gretzky a long contract extension upon his arrival here, gave him the C, made a bunch of promises. Uh, then when he didn't like Gretzky's play in the playoffs against, uh, I think it was particularly against the Maple Leafs, uh, he pulled the offer off the table and basically drafted up a new one when the season ended, uh, again, after the Red Wings had uh, beat the Blues. Uh, Gretzky rejected that offer, which apparently was significantly lower at three years, $15 million. Uh, he goes that summer, signs with the Rangers for two years, $8 million, and uh, it's also incentives-based as well. But um, you can see three years, $15 million, $5 million per, but he goes to another team for less term and less money. Goes to show you, maybe he just didn't want to play for Mike Keenan. Yeah, that's generally, you know, reading back on, on that, interesting chapter of history. I mean, Gretzky was entering the twilight of his career, but, you know, he went on to have a 97 and then a 90 point season with the Rangers. So I think it's safe to say he was still in a position where he could help a team. And, you know, given, you know, that the Blues, you know, made a deal, I don't think they gave up too much for him. uh, If memory serves, they actually got Wayne Gretzky at a pretty great trade, but it's, uh, it's really interesting because Gretzky decided to go to New York uh, to to reunite with Mark Messier, his close friend who he won so many cups with uh, in Edmonton, and then Messier ends up leaving uh, to go to Vancouver over a contract dispute, and so Messier, you know, is gone, and Gretzky is there on a really a, a Rangers team that is not deep enough, but has a bunch of kind of aging stars, and is trying to trying to get back into the Stanley Cup final and unable to do it, and. His career ends in New York after three seasons when really, you know, if you look back at history, he he has even said like he really thought St. Louis is where he was going to wrap up his career. That was what his uh, his original intentions were. That's what his plans were. And instead, we had we had Mike Keenan kind of intervene, I guess you could say he uh, he spoiled he spoiled in some ways a, a great ending for the Blues and Gretzky. And instead, we had Gretzky in New York. Yeah, and you look at that 96 team. I mean, that's one that Blues fans point to and say, that's a team that should have won a Stanley Cup. You know, it's a what if Grant Fear doesn't get knocked out by Kiprios in the first round. What if uh, John Casey comes up with that save and then the Blues skate it down and score? What if Wayne Gretzky doesn't turn it over to Iserman at center ice? I mean, there's so many hypotheticals that people talk about. And one of them is, what if Mike Keenan was let go after that happened and Wayne Gretzky ends up signing with the blues and they give it another run the next year. Um, There's, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that tortures blues fans every year, but that one probably more than others. Understandably. So, I mean, I think Gretzky was 35 that season. And, you know, we said towards the twilight of his career, but he was still, he was still the guy. I mean, he was, you know, the, he was not the guy who was, you know, running away with the heart every year and and everything, but he was still a guy who could 
really make an impact. And, you know, that, that season, um, you know, I think all told he had 102 points. He had 21 points in the regular season with the blues in 18 games. And, you know, looking at that blues roster, it's, it's crazy to think of what could have been if, if he stuck around a little bit there instead of, instead of that kind of early departure, that unexpected departure, because uh, as we mentioned, feels like this has become a Mike Keenan podcast in some ways, but <laughs> unfortunately, he, yeah, he really did kind of shape the destinies of, of both the Rangers and the blues in, in a lot of ways. And the, you know, the, his unorthodoxy kind of benefited the Rangers and the Rangers were almost fortunate in a way that he kind of just, you know, flipped his desk and said, I'm out of here. And, it was kind of unfortunate for the Blues that they ended up with a guy who would eventually end up chasing the greatest player to ever play away from the organization after they made a deal to get him. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it too. I think, I mean, at this point, at the point that Brett Hall left, he was, um, Keenan was gone. But I, a lot of people still say that the reason Hall wanted to leave not only was to chase the Stanley Cup, but because he was fed up of everything that had happened in his St. Louis tenure of everything that happened with Keenan and how he was treated. And by the time, you know, there was a coaching and a GM change, he was done. He was ready to leave. So it was, um, it's, it's just unfortunate that one guy can cause that much of a catastrophic effect, but, um, it's a good word for it. A catastrophic effect. yeah, Yeah. The way that, the way that I try to look at it to be Mr. Positive is, it did get us Chris Pronger. Uh, yeah. It got the Blues pretty close a couple years there in the early 2000s. Um, you know, Brett Hall still got his cup somewhere else. So it was, even though one of those teams was the Red Wings, which ugh, uh, I don't even want to talk about that. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> oh, seeing him in a Red Wings jersey was one of the most frustrating things. Hey, man, Shanahan on the same team. Oh, let's not talk about that. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Uh, so let's move on. I do want to talk. Uh, it's funny because you you originally had put this name in here in our in our little uh, show notes here, and I was like, yeah, we're not going to talk about him. But then I looked, Martin Ruchinsky. He's he had an interesting end of his career, and the Blues and the Rangers are very involved. So October thirtieth, two thousand two, he signed as a free agent by the Blues. August 28th, 2003, he signed as a free agent by the Rangers. August 3rd, so actually in that time, after he signed that contract, uh, he ends up going to Vancouver, playing 13 games. Then he signs again with the Rangers on August 3rd, 2005, with the Rangers. And then August 2nd, 2006, he signs as a free agent with the Blues. So he had... Four, okay, two tenures with each team, which is very odd. You don't see that nowadays. Yeah, he. Uh, in full disclosure, Martin Ruchinski is one of my uh, one of those guys who I just was always attached to uh, growing up. He was a kind of a bright light and very years of very crappy hockey for the Rangers, and uh, he was a guy who was always kind of felt like he was always injured, which was also the case in St. Louis. He was a guy who just Kind of couldn't stay healthy, um, but that didn't didn't stop me from noticing him. He was a guy who, when he was in the lineup, the team was just better. And looking back at it, I always remembered he's one of those rare cases where the, a team traded a, a player away at the deadline as a rental, and then they re-signed him, which always just feels like you know, like you're playing with house money or something. It's uh, yeah. 
it's just whenever that happens, I mean, it just it's as sweet as can be. I mean, I think that was abbreviated or interrupted by the uh, the 0405 lockout, but still pretty great. And he came back uh, the 0506 season for the Rangers had 55 points in 52 games, and then uh, ended up in St. Louis and 33 points in 52 games towards the tail end of his career. And now I believe he's uh, the general manager of uh, the Czech Republic's national team. So. Yep or the uh, team consultant, and he's just kind of an interesting little kind of ping-pong effect there he had at the end of his career between New York and St. Louis, and the reason it stood out to me, Jeff, is because really there's not not too much trade history between these two franchises. No. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's weird that he signed as a free agent with both teams twice. I mean, it's uh, not something you see often, and what I like, so, okay, what I remember most about Martin Ruchinski is actually when he was with the Rangers. Um, don't expect you to remember this. This was a, a nothing regular season <laughs> game. I was at it. I went to the game with a, a bunch of friends. It was back, it was the 05 06 year when the Blues came out of the lockout and were the worst team in the league. Uh, I remember being at this game and went to overtime, and Martin Ruchinski had the puck behind his net, behind the Blues net. And I know he did this on purpose. He shot it at the back of Patrick Laleem's head and it went in the net. And it was amazing. And I remember just st- sitting in the stands going, yeah, that seems about right for the Blues this season. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, I, yeah, we've seen Crosby do it, but it's just something you do not see. And I remember just that year being like, oh my God, is there anything else, any other way teams are going to figure out how to beat this team? Yeah, that's that's my biggest memory of Martin Ruchitsky. Oh man, Patrick Leem is is a is a name from the past as well. But yeah, that's something about Ruchinsky. He was a crafty guy. Um so I don't specifically remember that, but I wouldn't I definitely believe that he did that because he, he was that kind of player. It just he was just one of those guys who just couldn't stay healthy, but when he was healthy, he was really talented. You can put him on the power play and he had a great, you know, a great overall NHL career. I mean he it's, you know, a lot of guys we kind of forget, but he was just, I think, 39 games away away from 1,000 games in the NHL, even with all of his injury issues. So it's a pretty special career for a guy who spent a little bit of time in both St. Louis and New York. But, of course, there are a couple other guys like uh, Gretzky and, of course, Shanahan had to stay over uh, New York. Doug Waite is another big name uh, that's tied to both teams. Um, yeah, so a couple of couple of guys who, who played for both teams who had great careers, but Ruchinski, I think, is a good dark horse candidate for a guy who had a really solid career and not talked about him as much. We might be the only podcast to mention Martin Ruchinski this year, but you know what? I like it's, it. It's true. Well, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, so one more big story item I wanted to touch on, and, and this is another one that I know people were expecting us to talk about, and that's uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, a guy uh, February 2017, the Blues traded him, to the Capitals for their um, their cup run. They fell short uh, like they always did back then. Uh, he signed with the Rangers that summer, and that was a surprise to no one because yeah. he had uh, – it was it was the most interesting thing I saw with him. With, with uh, It was crazy how uh, – because there was a, an offer to the Edmonton Oilers where he was going to go and uh, for Taylor Hall, and the Blues would have gotten Taylor Hall in return. Oh my Blues God. fans were, oh my, they were, they were so livid when they found out that trade didn't go through because he had a one-year contract at the time 
And he basically told Edmonton, yeah, I'm not going to resign with you. So they're not, they don't make that trade. And the guy didn't have a no trade clause, but he kind of did. So it, that's why the blues held on to him until the trade deadline, because they were like, well, we're just going to have to move him as a rental. That's the only way we'll mm. be able to get rid of him." And it's just, it's surprising to see that a guy without a no trade clause was able to dictate where he went. And then of course, uh, went home to the New York Rangers that following summer. Um, and obviously, he hasn't been exactly maybe what you had hoped uh, when when he signed there. But um, when he was first signed, what was the hype like there? Was it was it uh, was it excitement? Was it overpayment? What what were people thinking when it happened? I think well, he was the most coveted free agent of that of that class, really. And he's a New Rochelle kid, so he's very close to the city. Um, you know, it, it's no secret that he's been a Rangers fan and. The Rangers get very lucky with uh, with guys who grow up being Rangers fans, and they they want to be in New York. It happened again with Adam Fox, who was a coveted uh, prospect originally of Calgary's and now Carolina, who ended up with the Rangers. Uh, they traded a couple of picks for him. Another guy who grew up in New York is a big Rangers fan, and sure enough, the Rangers kind of get their way. But uh, happens a lot with the Rangers. It's funny what uh, having the money bags will do every once in a while, but. With Shattenkirk, the original response, I think, was people are excited. Uh, I think a lot of people who understood the the cap knew that he could have gotten a lot more than he got uh, in terms of his AAV or what he was making a year because he, he only came in at $6.65 million, uh, a year for for his four-year deal, which is really, I mean, he had you know the no move and modified no trade, but all, all told, it was a really great deal uh, for the Rangers. And... Of course, it's got not gone well, unfortunately, because of injuries and the fact that the team around him is kind of burning to the ground um, because, you know, the Rangers signed the most coveted free agent. And then in later that season, uh, you know, in that season, they realized uh, they have to really commit to a rebuild. And so Shattenkirk ended up signing on to play for a team with, you know, an aging Henrik Lundqvist and a team that is now nowhere near uh, being in the playoffs. This is the second straight season they've missed the playoffs. And it's unfortunate because Shattenkirk does not get nearly enough respect or appreciation for the sort of player he is and can be in New York. He did have a very low production in terms of uh, points this season. And I feel like last season, it's worth mentioning, he had 23 points in 46 games, but he got... A, I think it was his kneecap, his patella that was injured in training camp or the preseason uh, last season in October, and he played 46 games before they finally shut him down. So we played hurt and was still putting up great points, but this year things did not go as well, and really the reason is the Rangers' blue line was terrible, and he just, for whatever reason, struggled on the power play, whereas, as you know, he makes his hay. That's where he makes a big impact, and Rangers gave a, a lot of opportunities to some younger D to, to take some power play time away from Shattenkirk. And it's a shame because I actually got to meet him at, at a media event. He's a great guy. He still speaks very highly of St. Louis. Um, actually, the girlfriend met him too. And, you know, he was, he's nothing but supportive of, uh, of St. Louis and he loved his time there. And he's one of those guys who really gets involved off the ice with, uh, with charities and, and helping out. And it's a, it's kind of a shame that his, 
his return to his hometown team is hometown team has kind of been kind of been spoiled or you know kind of stained in a way by how bad the team is around him and frankly just kind of injuries but it's, it's still some time for him to turn it around but there is talk about whether the rangers might trade him or buy him out but uh it's been not not at all Kevin Shattenkirk experience Rangers fans hope for. Yeah, it's uh, it's to say the least. Um, yeah, I was I'm shocked when I hear the stories about him getting uh, healthy scratched because he was a guy that um, makes no Blues. sense to me and a lot of others. Trust me, doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy the Blues really relied on to carry the puck up. Now, granted, defensively, he's not the strongest player on the rink, but. I mean, he's a guy that uh, a Keith Yandel type that can just carry the play and um, puts the team on his back and will score big goals, get big assists. I mean, um, a guy that can clear the zone real well. And yeah, seeing a healthy scratch out of that guy. Now, David Backus, I could see that a little bit. His uh, speed's a little lacking. He's been injury prone too. But yeah, yeah Kevin Shattenkirk, that, uh, that's one that, that's always shocked me. And um, I mean, same thing here. People love him. People still talk fondly of him. And uh, he got a nice applause the first time he played here um, after uh, the trade and after he had signed with the Rangers. So um, same thing here. We'll see. I mean, let me ask you this question. I know that obviously, you know, he wants to be in, in New York and maybe it's not going the way he thought it would. Do you see them ever possibly trading him? Uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. The Rangers have Brennan Smith and Mark Stahl and Kevin Shattenkirk right now, who are the three three guys in the blue line who are just taking up too much cap. Uh, the Brendan Smith experiment really has not worked out this past season. He, you know, this is, is the first year after he re-signed with the Rangers. Um, he was really just not the player he needed to be. He showed up to camp overweight and are out of shape. And for a guy who has a 4.35 million cap hit, uh, that's just, it was not what the Rangers wanted to see. This past season, he really struggled to stay in the lineup. And much like Shattenkirk, he got healthy scratch, but he got healthy scratched a lot more by uh, first year head coach David Quinn. And towards the end of the season, David Quinn actually was playing him at left wing. So huh. what what the future holds for Brendan Smith is an absolute mystery. I feel like he's more likely to be bought out. Um, I feel like if there is a team out there that's interested in Shattenkirk. And in my opinion, they should be. He's only 30, and I feel like he had a down year. But a lot of the underlying numbers, his his shot share numbers are still outstanding. He was the Rangers' best defenseman at even strength. Um, you know, when he's on the ice, good things tend to happen. He just was kind of, I mean, to put it simply, he was just kind of unlucky. He's a, still a great defenseman. And like you said, when it comes to moving the puck and pushing the play, getting out of his own zone, like he's still right up there with you know the top 20 or 25 guys in the league who can do that. And uh, what he can do in the power play makes him a guy who could be worth nearly $7 million a year. It's just a question of will the Rangers be able to find a suitor and maybe retain some of the salary to make a trade work. Uh, Mike, this has been awesome. I've enjoyed having you on. Um, talking Rangers is fun. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Mystery Alaska? Let me ask you that first. That was my favorite hockey movie growing up. There you Absolutely. go. Yeah. The, it was a John Beebe in the uh, Skating the River and uh, Russell Crowe, of course, who I think talked to, was it Ron Francis, I think, to study for the role. But it's yeah. uh, right up there with my favorite hockey movies. I mean, it's 
kind of aged interestingly with how ridiculous Mike Myers is in that movie, but it's still a, still a, it's still a fun movie. Still always enjoy that one. I, uh, I do use the Mike Myers quote from that movie a lot when her, like I talk about Jordan Bennington and I'll say, uh, I'll say, I, man, I just want to clean that kid up and take him home and raise him as my own. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a golden line. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's right up my alley in terms of humor. So like, it's, Thinking back on that movie, I was a Rangers fan growing up. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, why why are the Rangers involved in this? Why is Hank Azaria here? Um, it felt like such a such a random movie, and especially because, as you know, I mean, like, there was Slapshot, and then there was just a, a desert in terms of hockey movies. Like, there was the Mighty Ducks, and the, but nothing for adults. Like, nothing for, you know, beyond just like, uh, you know, the odd... Not a weird romance movie, or goodness knows what else came. came Cutting out, edge, yeah, yeah. There's Cutting uh, edge. What what about MVP, most valuable primate? Oh, lest we forget MVP, most valuable primate. Sure, of the <laughs> of the Airbud franchise. I'm not, yes. I'm not sure if. Uh, yeah, good lord. <laughs> there's been some bad hockey movies, that's for sure. I Brutal. mean, what? There's like nine slap shots now. Yeah, I know. And what was it? I forgot the. I think it was like Slapshot Three. One of the Baldwin brothers was in it. I remember getting it oh. from Blockbuster, and uh, yep. I remember watching them. And I was like, I mean, at least it's a hockey movie. But good God, it's like yeah, that was that was the one where they were like the uh, the Washington Generals, right? They they had to play the really. That's good right. Yeah. Time. Yeah, that's. I think that's right. All I, I really remember is. I've... That's the last one I watched. Yeah, it was a good decision. Maybe maybe you and I both should have gotten out of there before we got to Slapshot 3 with one of the Baldwin brothers. But you know what? Yeah. When you, you start for hockey content in the summer and you, you see something in a blockbuster video, sometimes you take a chance and you, your life is filled with regrets. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, again, Mike, uh, this has been a pleasure. Um, I want to give you a little time here. I know you're a big part of Blue Shirt Banter and, and I'll kind of, pump your tires a little bit on blue shirt banter. I've actually checked you guys out now for a couple of years. Love what you guys are doing there. Uh, you're one of the best uh, fan run blogs, I think in, in the NHL. Um, but you also are a part of ice Guardian or ice garden. And um, you're, you have a coaching website as well. So uh, how can people find you on the web and how can they interact with you on social media? Yeah, sure. On Twitter, I'm at dig deep BSB. Um, you can find me there uh, to find my work. I cover a lot of women's hockey and cover the NHL uh, on occasion over at the Sporting News as a contributor. And the Ice Garden is SB Nation's women's hockey blog. And of course, Blue Shirt Banner is SB Nation's New York Rangers blog. So those are the places you can find my work. And BehindTheBenches.com is a coaching site that I put together that kind of catalogs all the coaches in the league and breaks down all the coaching staffs and what each assistant coach is responsible for. We've had, uh, we've been talking to coaches at the AHL level and NHL level and doing things like uh, adding stuff here and there. Like we just recently added uh, which coaches are the best at coach challenges, which uh, I'm sure blues fans will be curious to know if, you know, whether or not they can challenge some things that have happened in the playoffs, but we don't want to talk about bad things to focus on the light, focus on good things, happy thoughts. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me and some of my work. Great. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Sounds great. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Well, I again want to thank Mike and his lovely girlfriend. Uh, Twitter handles for the show. The show Twitter is at LGB Radio. 
Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. Billy Day is at Billy Blue Note. And Jeff Ponder, myself, can be found at jponder94. I just realized I called him Billy Day. I don't think I've ever called him Billy. That might have to start this season. We'll see. Next episode will be on Thursday, July 5th. Taylor Baird of Defending Big D, uh, who cover the Dallas Stars. She comes on. And uh, let me just tell you this right now, folks. And again, I know I'm I'm playing teaser uh, lately a lot. Uh, Taylor, this was probably the most passionate talk I had in this series. Uh, Taylor... Uh, we talked about the uh, the Lindell moments in the in the the playoffs, and we talked about uh, just the Blues' play, uh, the the shot hitting Bishop uh, and knocking him down before uh, I think it was Steen or Schwartz scored. Um, she was very passionate, so it was actually a lot of fun for me to talk to somebody who was kind of still feeling the raw emotion from the series. So uh, for anybody who uh, is interested in, in hearing a little bit more, because that's kind of the, the whole basis of our conversation was this uh, this last series between the Blues and Stars in uh, the semifinal. So definitely want to miss, don't want to miss that one because uh, Taylor is uh, uh, lively to say the least, which is great. It makes for a, a really fun talk. Well, as far as this episode goes, that will do it, folks. I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, everyone, Let's go Blues. Play Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day. 